0: Welcome to Politically Pissed, the podcast that wants to recommend you don't use presidential language in front of your mother.
1: to
0: Welcome to Politically Pissed. My name is Saeed Charbini, and I'm here with my co-host, Katya. What's up? And
1: we have a new co-host with us today, uh, Simon. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Simon. Hello. I was a guest on one of the episodes. Uh, I teach political science. I've worked at the Capitol in campaigns. And uh, I really love talking about a variety of issues that impact our communities, both locally and, and globally. And I'm happy to and humbled to be a host. Well, we really appreciate you joining us, Simon,
0: and uh, we have two very special guests today. Do you ladies want to introduce yourself, whoever wants to go first?
2: Hi, my name is Liz Stalniger. I am an editor and writer in Denver, parent of two kids. I live in the Stapleton neighborhood since 2015, and I am the current board chair of Rename Stapleton for All.
3: And I'm Kim Brewer. I also serve on the board as the finance or treasury secretary i'm not sure (laughs) which
0: (laughs) deal with the money right (laughs)
3: exactly i grew up i am a colorado native i grew up in the community that surrounds the planned development currently known as stapleton my children attended school at one of the community schools isabella bird and also my mother still lives in the neighborhood we worship in park hill which is another one of the surrounding communities of the planned development and this is an issue that is very near and dear to my heart
1: thank you so much to our guest. and before we get started i think we should all agree to the fact that benjamin stapleton a mayor of denver was a racist by the standards of his day he is a racist by the standards of today And I think our conversation is going to look at both the campaign, its ramifications and discuss a variety of opinions. But always keeping in mind that Benjamin Stapleton is not a role model for all our children. Uh, And we will get started with the first question of why you think the name Stapleton should be changed?
3: I would say first of all to honor the commitment that was made to the elders who took up this issue when ground was first broke at this planned development. Community members expressed a sincere discomfort with continuing the legacy and the honoring of Benjamin Stapleton just because the airport had been named after this mayor. There were several people who worked very hard, and the fact that you even have a process or method in the founding documents of this community by which to change the name suggests that they knew from the very outset that it was a problem. The fact that these activists were made a promise... They were made a commitment that this was for marking purposes, mapping purposes only, and that the name would eventually go away, and that promise was not kept. It was never honored. So the disrespect of that, first and foremost, I think is the primary issue. The second issue, I think, is that it takes no consideration of the whole community. This is a planned development that sits right in the heart of communities of color, Park Hill, North Aurora, Montbello Green Valley Ranch area as it's been extended. But the reality is, those communities, those neighborhoods were here. They have always existed. And the fact that this planned development comes in, it is primarily occupied by residents not of color, and it smacks of gentrification. It absolutely smacks of gentrification, and so to compound that by calling yourself in your founding documents an inclusive and diverse community that is committed to honoring that diversity, but yet continue to hold on to the name that honors a man whose entire ideology was not inclusive, was in fact very caustic, very diminutive, and even violent against people of color, I think contradicts the statement. So that's the second issue. It's not respectful, first and foremost, of the people that you made a commitment to. And secondly, it does not honor the commitment to diversity and inclusion that you claim to have.
2: Yeah, I think that just to kind of, I guess, put a button on what Kim has just said is I agree. And also that kind of in continuing the work of advocates for the name change, and it's a course correction, in my opinion, that we're kind of correcting course to actually live up to the kind of ideals that were set forth in the Green Book, which was the development plan for Stapleton before they broke ground. It did specifically say that equity and diversity and inclusivity were foundational to the purpose of the community, and I think that there are examples of Ways in which we have not lived up to that as a community for various and sundry reasons, and the name being kind of a primary symbol of that. And so we don't think that changing the name is a silver bullet to all that ails Northeast Denver, but it's a very concrete action that can be taken to signal a correction of the course of our community and how we understand who we want to honor and what kind of community we want to be.
0: Okay, I have a couple questions now. First and foremost, Kim, you said that there was something done at the beginning in order to facilitate a name change later. If they already knew that it was going to be a problem, why would they move forward with it?
3: You know, that begs to be answered, quite honestly. I think that it was, in my opinion, a bait and switch. I think that at the time, the city felt like they could sell residents on the idea of this planned development if they pacified them with the idea that it's really just for name recognition at the moment. It's really just for identification purposes, and it will
0: change. And that was just because it was where the old airport that was named that was?
3: Exactly. Yes. Because many of the residents who moved into Stapleton moved here sight unseen. Okay. A lot of them did not know the culture or the history.
0: Well, I think you're leading me right into my next question, which is, had it been named something different, do you think that would have affected the people that actually moved in as far as like who they are, the the non-diversity, I guess, as you put it, and stuff like that?
3: I really don't, because quite honestly, and again, Liz can probably speak to this a little bit more than I can, having moved in in 2015, but I don't believe that the general population of the planned development knew anything about Benjamin Stapleton. Many of the people that we've encountered in this campaign process have said to us directly, I never knew this story you had me at KKK as soon as you told me (laughs) what he was engaged in I was immediately offended for my neighbors with my neighbors I had no idea
2: Yeah, I think that is a good question for Forest City, which is the master developer for the community. It's a good question for the MCA, which stands for the Master Community Association, which is our property owners' association. Why they, I think, technically called the Master Community Association Incorporated, and the word Stapleton is not actually in their legal name, and yet (laughs) they have incorporated into their logo and their insignia on the signage throughout the community, and. My understanding, again, I will not put words in their mouth, but I think that folks who were in on the decision would agree that the marketing of the neighborhood, that it was a financial decision this is a name that you know we don't have an alternative, so let's yeah. let's use that because it will be costly to come up with an alternative. What the folks I don't know if it's necessarily a bait and switch, but I do think that the status quo is a hell of a drug, and that thinking i think that it, there is a certain naivety to thinking that marketing isn't everything <laughs> in some way that that marketing could only be a small piece of it and in fact i have from fall 2015 but it's the uh 2016 strategic marketing plan for Forest City, which is so in 2015, if you'll remember, the timing of this is kind of important because in August 2015, Black Lives Matter 5280 had that action where they flyered the entire neighborhood informing residents of um, Benjamin Stapleton's KKK past, as that was not part of the branding at all, um, and had been whitewashed. And, and so, There were a couple of community meetings at which folks were told, there's no actual way to change the name, which we've since learned is not actually true. It seems that in a reaction to this, this is dated December 4th, 2015, the 2016 strategic marketing plan actually directly addresses the name as negative to the brand. And so basically the associations of the name Stapleton with the KKK now are a liability for the brand. And so at the very back of it, if I can find it, it says the keys to success. So this is a, a liability. Now what do we do about it? Keys to success. And I'm quoting from the document. Update the brand campaign and assets. Minimize the large artful display of the name Stapleton. Focus on Stapleton being <laughs> a focus on Stapleton being a good neighbor. Create a charitable giving brochure. Continue to message that Stapleton is for everyone. And so it's kind of like let's Let's kind of like, don't look at the man behind the curtain, like, let's just keep the good times rolling. Let's keep this Mm. optimism, this message of optimism. And I think what we've encountered over the past, I would say, year and a half of the us, you know, kind of, were kind of the latest iteration of a long line of folks who have had issues with this. What we've encountered is that people have that, that is a very successful marketing campaign. When you look at the coverage in the front porch, which is our neighborhood newspaper, and you look at what folks have said uh, who want to keep the name and support keeping the name and don't want to, they oppose a name change, it's almost like they're reading a marketing brochure from this strategic marketing plan. And so the story that is being told is one that is ahistorical. An important distinction is that the conception that folks have of their community is largely being sold to them as a story from a marketing campaign and what other stories and so there is a lot of pushback when you try to tell a different story. I think that that's what we've been encountering and are kind of working toward bringing more nuance to that kind of pulling back the curtain and saying this you're saying that because people told you that and it's a good story it's a good narrative but there there are other the, there are other stories there's a real history behind this not just in the 1920s but also in the 1990s and the early 2000s of folks really trying to acknowledge the history and to take some sort of concrete action because of that but again it was it seems like it was a financial decision that because it would be costly and painful it seems we're experiencing now with this ballot to actually move a community in that direction and again the status quo is very hard to challenge so uh, but I feel very optimistic one question about the ballot sure can renters vote on on it no so this is um that actually so I think we actually need to step back also Although our group, Rename Stapleton for All, is dedicated to the kind of removing Benjamin Stapleton's name from places of honor in our community, we did not originate this ballot. And in fact, we asked, we asked the Property Owners Association to delay sending out the ballots for this referendum on the community name because we don't think the proper groundwork was laid in educating folks about the name. There are still folks who have ballots that we've encountered who had they've seen our our flyer that talks about Benjamin Stapleton and they say we had no idea about this. So I think that they they weren't willing to put the resources forward in actually fully educating the community or authentically engaging the community in talking about the history, talking about, you know, the different kind of understandings or the, the different kinds of understanding that folks within the community outside of the outside of the community have about the name what does the name mean and and also just there doesn't seem to have been enough groundwork laid in just the vote itself what people are voting on in it and so to get back to your question if renters are allowed to vote this is this is entirely a property owners vote so only property owners can vote one of our objections also to this ballot was that there was not any sort of provision for kind of taking the temperature of tenants in allowing tenants to talk to the owners. There are apartments, senior living uh, developments within the community, and I think think we determined about 2.3% of those are actually the property owners are actually Forest City itself, which is problematic. Their tenants don't have a voice in this, but the developer that clearly as a conflict of interest, does have a voice in it. So we actually did write to, it's now Brookfield is kind of the sole shareholder for City Stapleton. We wrote to president in Colorado of Brookfield and asked that they abstain from voting as property owners in this vote. And we did get a a yes on that, that they will kind of stand back as property owners in this uh, so that at least there's more residential input, even though there's still no provision. And we've encouraged folks who are tenants to contact their landlords to tell them how they feel about the name, to hopefully give them some input as residents. Thank
1: you for the wonderful background information. I'm I'm a resident of Stapleton. I Mm -hmm. learned uh, so much. I did not realize that from the very beginning, uh, at least um, implicitly, right? There was this discussion that this name should not be permanent. And I think that's important for the residents to know. Kim mentioned that a lot of residents were not aware of Mayor Stapleton's KKK membership. That is fascinating that people had not had a chance to, you know, research the name of their neighborhood. I guess a question stemming from that would be, let's say, you know, the name gets changed will we continue having a conversation about justice, racial justice, about you know, the history of the area a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now? In other words, what are the sort of long-term effects on this concerning this conversation?
0: Well, and I just want to add real quick, especially considering that, like we said before, even if the name was different, would the neighborhood still be a gentrifying area that pushes out?
3: Well, and I think that's an important question because many people have expressed, admittedly, justifiably, a frustration with the fact that, okay, we change the name and when does that actually end the racism? But what we have to understand is that the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. And particularly because property owners are being asked to vote in this election I think that it can send a very clear message of whether or not this community is truly invested in living up to its brand or whether it is not and I think that communities of color are watching very intently on how this vote turns out communities in Park Hill communities in Aurora communities in the surrounding area because when you talk about gentrification you're not simply talking about pushing people out and making it unaffordable you're talking about silencing even the people who remain and we have had many discussions about the fact that not only are renters being silenced not only are people who are in senior living being silenced but you are also seeing those property owners of color in the community being silenced by the overwhelming opposition to this. I think one thing that's important to understand is that there is active opposition. Many people believe this is a question of just apathy. Nobody cares.
2: That was my other question. I wanted to know what, if there is active opposition
3: to this. There is active opposition. And my friend likes to take the moral high ground, so I'm going to give you the low ground.
2: <laughs> well, I was also going to say, there, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I will say if you look on social media, there is active opposition. It's not necessarily organized, but so I, I think that that's an important... Are we talking Charlottesville kind of stuff? Mm, um... Charlottesville, I feel like that's an entire, (laughs) that's actually like, knowing folks from Charlottesville, I think actually there's an entire other podcast episode to talk about the (laughs) cultural issues there. (laughs) But But I think your
3: question is fair. I mean, what I perceive you asking is, is it of the same tenor? And I think that yes we have encountered um, and I think that really what it stems from and again I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt here I think that what it stems from is an embarrassment and a not wanting to be identified as racist and the very fact that we are bringing up this issue and we are challenging this notion at this point makes people immediately defensive we have never intended to create a posture of aggression That is not our point. To your question, we are far beyond just a name change. This organization, and particularly the people who are not of color who are involved in this organization, seem to me, as a person of color, that are here for the long term. They are really invested in changing the dynamics of this community. So even when we are successful at having the name removed, There will continue to be work done, work to elevate this conversation within the neighborhood, work to make the neighborhood more inclusive of the surrounding communities, work to even reach out and engage people in the surrounding communities. Right now, there is a very real sense that Stapleton is an island unto itself.
2: Well, also, uh, I have friends in East Colfax. The school that, pri- the neighborhood school, Ashley, that primarily serves East Colfax is very close to. S- the Stapleton borders, and I know that there is a great fear among the parents there that it will be like that. Essentially, Stapleton will eventually cannibalize uh, that school, and I I think that those are serious. I think that those are valid concerns. I mean, and that's kind of out of the scope of our discussion here. But I I think that there is. There is a justified perception of white saviorism in this that folks think that, I mean, that's one thing that kind of comes up in social media discussions. I think that since this is not a visual medium, I would also like to reiterate that I am a mixed woman of color also. And I think it is really important that in our group is not primarily headed like by a majority of white folks because I think that, that we are very aware of the impulse and also the kind of perception of well once they finally get the name changed then they're just going to go away like they'll like rah rah like (laughs) raise like have have a ticker tape parade and like let's move on to the next thing and be happy with the status quo that exists and I think no our our group first of all I think one of our members Brooke is she's Asian American also Asian but the kind of there have been a lot of racist incidents toward AAPI folks in the neighborhood that I will just involve in. I mean, it's kind of in the news right now, the statement, go back to where you're from, people in our neighborhood have heard that. Latino neighbor who has been stopped in his own alley several times while he's wearing a hoodie and walking his dog by cops. There's rampant racial profiling. I mean, I think gentrification is one issue. I think something that we live with day to day is rampant racial profiling in our neighborhood. There's also Spanish-speaking folks in the playgrounds who have been told to stop speaking Spanish and start speaking English. I mean, these are they, these are not I I mean, I don't know. I'm I feel like telling them all together makes it sound like it's this racist hellscape, which is not where <laughs> which is not the reality for like lots of folks. It's like this is a very pleasant community where people care about each other and look out for their neighbors and they have block parties and we all know each other at school. And I, I mean, it's true. It's like a small town in some ways. I was at Luna the other night and ran into a million people I knew, which is which is great. But just because the majority of folks in the neighborhood do not experience these things does not mean that these things do not happen in the neighborhood. And I think that our group is very aware of the difficulty in making any progress on that because of the difficulty we experience just talking about a name. Well, I
0: I have a question that leads from that too and either of you can answer so I understand it's about melding the community and stuff like that Say, say you win and the name gets changed to whatever it gets changed to, what do you do beyond that to solve the issues that you're talking about? I mean you're talking about basically trying to end racial strife and stuff like that <laughs> uh what i mean and it may it's it may work be of a lifetime yeah, well so. yeah and it may be you know beyond what you're thinking about right now but you know does your group have any plans as far as the future to help to once you if you get the name changed to move past that and then start helping bring people together monuments sort of organizational yeah. gatherings That's- like simon do you have something to add to that
1: Um, Well, I I did want to share a few experiences and kind of give a background. I'm a descendant of Armenian Genocide Survivors, a crime that the government of Turkey continues to deny after a century. And so when I visited Turkey, there were monuments and streets honoring the perpetrators of the Armenian Genocide. And my first feeling was, you know, how dare you? And, you know, I wish, you know, one day that the people... Of Turkey will will remove the monuments, and my next thought was, what happens then? Right, they forget that their country not only committed a genocide at some point, but for a hundred years they honored their perpetrators as heroes. I think I've heard similar questions from my friend Daryl Davis, who is well known for his work with actually reaching out to racist individuals and actually converting KKK members back to you know, being normal human beings and normal citizens. And uh, he has spoken against the idea of removing Confederate monuments because he's afraid that once those are erased, we have this cosmetic change in our communities. And then it's like, you know, kumbaya, well, you know, we did it. What's what's next? So I think that, you know, coming from that background, this is an issue that I've, I've, I continue thinking about on an ongoing basis. Has Has there been... Uh, Regardless whether the campaign wins or not, has there been an effort to have a museum, a permanent exhibit, a monument to this history that can actually continue the conversation?
3: Well, I'll let. No, 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 it's (laughs) fine. I'll let Liz speak a little bit to the direction under her leadership, but I really speak to the point that you made about monuments being erased and losing the history that's associated with those monuments. What I think is clear to me as a person of color is that there is a very demarcated position when a monument is used for education and resurrection and remembrance and when it is simply used as honor. The fact of the matter is if we were talking about a national memorial in places where these human atrocities occurred then I say absolutely we need to build those monuments we need to preserve those areas of occurrence but when you look across this nation what you see is not a concentrated area where those atrocities are remembered what you see are different statues different areas that are honoring and giving esteem to these individuals and consequently their ideology. So when we talk about erasing history, we are not actually looking to erase history. What we are looking to do is erase the constant reminder of the ideology. As you said yourself, when you saw these monuments, it was immediately a visceral reaction. So imagine a 60, 70, 80-year-old woman who goes into the King Supers off of Quebec and has that Stapleton name there. Imagine the young entrepreneur or corporate industry individual who walks into the Starbucks, and it's the Stapleton Starbucks that we're meeting at. Or it's the Stapleton Choluna that we're going to meet at for beers after work. It is Stanley Market. But again, the philosophy being when you wave this flag in my face every day of my life and I am forced to think about the ideology that you are honoring, then by saying it's not a big deal, it's okay, let it stay, doesn't bother me, you are making me complicit in my own disrespect, in my own demeaning. And if I swallow that, how long do I think it's going to be before you're shooting my sons and daughters in the back and thinking that's okay too? So I would challenge the very notion that erasing these names and removing these monuments and these positions of honor erases the history. Instead, I would say what this organization looks to do is elevate this conversation to not just removing Ben Stapleton's name, but where else in Colorado do we need to be thinking about removing names? Where else in this nation do we need to be thinking about removing names? How do we come to a point in this nation where we can honestly speak about the history, not from a jaded or rose colored perspective, but from an honest, gut-level, deep hurt perspective and say, we need to remember that what we did, what these people participated in, was not honorable. It was human atrocity. But I'll let Liz speak a little bit (laughs) to the direction. How do
2: I follow that? Well, actually, I, I I guess I will express it a little differently because, again, I think that one reason why I wanted to have both Kim and me speaking is because Kim offers a perspective of, like offers like a more like immediately emotional perspective sorry. oh sorry um, I'll get closer on on the issue and so when I express it it will be like I don't know it will feel much more chin scratchy and <laughs> theoretical so I apologize ahead of time but I would say that as far as next steps I, I, and I, I think that it's all even communicating it as removing a name I actually see it as just putting something putting this name in its proper context and so part of that is removing it from the marketing story that's been told and actually putting it in its proper historical context and I think that the DSST Montview now Montview formerly Stapleton students actually have given us Uh, an amazing roadmap for what the next steps should be. This is something that should actually be studied in Colorado history. So uh, just a quick kind of story. Um, As part of our outreach during this vote, because we, we didn't think the MCA did anything really for engaging the community. So we're trying to kind of jump in and fill that gap. So we've been hosting community conversations at different places within the neighborhood at different times to just basically be there where folks are and if they want to ask us questions or talk about their feelings about the ballot and you know or ask us any questions about the historical facts or just even questions about how to vote that we're out there and a guy came up we were at Chiluna the other night and a guy came up Uh, who lives in Arvada, but he was talking to us about, I think, his comment when we told him that the Stapleton Airport was named after Stapleton while he was the mayor. Um, So it wasn't even, it wasn't even, you know, he died and everybody thought he was such a great guy, let's honor him. It was really a PR and marketing stunt from the beginning. And we told him that, and I think his, his comment I wish I could remember it exactly. It was just that it seems like we're giving him immortality or we're giving him more immortality than he deserves. And so then he was talking about he lives on Carr Street and he talked to us about Ralph Carr and about Japanese internment in Colorado. And my question for him was, did you learn that in school? Did you, where did you learn that? And he said, no, I read a book or I read an article about it. Nobody taught me that. In school. And this is a guy who's probably about my age, about 40 in his 40s, and that was not taught in schools. I asked him if he learned about Benjamin Stapleton when he was in school. He grew up in North Denver, and he said, No, I never learned that. So I think that. The DSST teachers, the DSST administrators, and the DSST students have given us one pathway forward is actually making sure that this is properly contextualized as a history lesson in our schools, especially our schools in this neighborhood. You don't need to be called Stapleton to be able to say, hey, did you know this neighborhood used to be called Stapleton, and do you know why we changed the name? Let's talk about it. Um, Another kind of avenue, another pathway pathway forward that actually has had some success, but I I think it, I actually think that the reckoning of removing the name Stapleton and having to come up with another name is, so Sun is the Stapleton United Neighbors. uh, That is our registered uh, neighborhood organization. Mm -hmm. They have. They now have a diversity and, and inclusion committee uh, to talk about these issues. There are. <laughs> I would say that it's probably evenly split between the, the makeup of that committee is made up of folks who are on the board of Sun and folks who are, are members of Renamed Stapleton for All. And so we are committed to actually working within this neighborhood organization. And we've had less success than we'd like in kind of honestly talking about the issues that folks deal with like issues of like why 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 is this not actually the diverse neighborhood and how do folks of difference in our neighborhood experience this neighborhood who is this community for those are questions that are really uncomfortable and to be able to sit with that discomfort takes a lot of work and i think actually something that sun did sponsor in 20 2018, uh, so there was the vote uh, to change the name of SUN from Stapleton United Neighbors to Central Park United Neighbors. Ahead of that, they had an event called a Community Day of Reflection, where they brought in Robert Goldberg, uh, who is a historian at the University of Utah, who has one major area of study for him, was the Klan in Colorado, specifically the Klan in Denver, and Benjamin Stapleton he was one of the historians on a panel of historians just basically talking about what the Klan in the 1920s uh, was and what it meant to have this kind of this organization actually be able to enact in policy their beliefs of you know white white supremacy but it was basically anybody who was not a wasp like kind of like being able to like keep you know, their boot on the neck of like anybody who wasn't a wasp actually encoded in policy and we still live with the we still live with the legacy of that in the redlined neighborhoods. I mean this came up in the municipal election. We actually I so basically looking at the history in the nineteen twenties and talking about that how that legacy actually carries forward today. It was a great event. There were probably about a hundred people there. There was almost no there there is no video available of that. There is no it has not been shared. I think there was actually very little coverage of it so I think actually finding a way to have those events and genuinely share them with folks and genuinely kind of grapple with how do we have these conversations how do we even get each other get ourselves on the same page in terms of facts I think it was great that you started the episode saying like let's just lay down like kind of like to make sure we're starting with the same set of facts I don't think that work has been done as effectively as possible in our neighborhood and I think that we you know we regardless of how this vote goes we are committed to doing that kind of work and so yeah like let's let, let's move forward I would love to get past the name and get into that kind of work Awesome
1: Can, can we so just stop maybe this moment yes. so we do final thoughts at the end even mm-hmm. um, if you don't mind Thank you very much, uh, Liz and Kim. I learned a lot today, and I'm glad you brought up Ralph Carr because one way that people are learning about him is the Ralph Carr Memorial Highway, not just the book. Actually, the book helped Build the Highway. And there is another famous Colorado figure whose name we, thank God, don't know very much or maybe we should know, Clarence Morley, a KKK governor of Colorado and the reason why we don't know him very much because he is not being honored with a neighborhood he is not being honored with a monument I actually met his granddaughter when I worked at the Capitol an older lady came by and asked for the paintings of all the governors and I said we don't have any and she kept insisting on seeing the paintings and I said who are you related to she said one of the governors I said is it Clarence Morley She said yes, and she actually told me she was really embarrassed about the heritage because some of her own family members are still proud of that, and she was very ashamed. She was a lovely lady, and we had an interesting conversation, and one reason why Clarence Morley is not remembered is because he was also a criminal. Surprise, surprise. He went to jail for mail fraud, and so I think it is important not just to have these conversations and try to right the wrongs of the past regardless how we get there but it's also important to deal with the racism that happens in our communities in our country today and so my final thought is the president's comment about going back to where you came from and that's a comment i've only explicitly heard once and that was from a skinhead teenager from moscow and i actually was at a position to smile about the situation even though you know i was scared for my mother and i and 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 that was a time I was a teenager myself, but I told him, "Dude, we're tourists here. we're contributing to your you know economy. um I have not heard an explicit message you know the closest that has come, one of the furious parents of one of my college students told me, you know, Ask me if I'm illegal, and I have been fortunate enough to not take those things personally because I've been in a position to defend myself." And but I've always been pained by the anti immigrant, the anti minority rhetoric. But for this first time, I'm actually taking you know a sentiment like that very, very personally because that one is coming from the president of this great nation who should not be behaving like a skinhead teenager.
0: So, my final thought for the week is a big thank you to all of the people in the u s House, who just passed the bill for raising the minimum minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour by twenty twenty five it was just passed today. we really thank you all for that I mean it goes a long way I think to bringing people up and raising up situations for people to bring them back to the middle class to have everybody to be able to support themselves i mean that's the basis of life really to be able to support yourself and live happily so I think it's a big step towards that and thank you
2: on a lighter note. Jenna Griswold, what's up? Just be honest. Are you running for state senator or not? I mean, U.S. Senator or not? Just be honest with the public.
3: I appreciate having conversations like this because it always helps me to see perspectives that I may not see because I am blinded, I believe. Being a black female Christian on the LGBTQ spectrum, raised by a single parent. I am a single parent of two adopted daughters of Latin heritage. So I check just about every box (laughs) that would irritate our current administration. I think the reason that this discussion is important is because it is a microcosm of the discussion that is being had at a much larger level across this nation. And what is important to understand is that this is not simply about facts and figures. This is not simply about history or presence. This is about human beings. This is about people who feel. This is about people who experience the world through their interactions with each other. And sometimes I think it's difficult to remember that when racism arises in conversation, when you're walking through the store and you are treated differently when you're browsing, when you are asked to keep your hair products or your belongings that you're considering at a certain point when others are not, because that still happens as well, when you talk about the fact that there are still kids in school who in 2019 are not learning about history, even in their own region, that speaks to the cultural damage that has been done it is easy to lose sight of the fact that we're talking about human beings and for me that is very important I would hope that this conversation continues to elevate I would hope that we continue to engage more people who are not of color at a level that I see many of my board members engaged at those who are of color and those who are not but my greatest goal in this effort whether it wins or not is just to teach people and to tap into that humanity and to hope that they see me and those that I am descended from as human beings
2: I <laughs> I actually will just let Kim's comments stand there, um, but, so I will, uh, I just want to thank everyone here for having us on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, to speak about this and i guess i will just go into the plugs instead of final thoughts it's just sure. if anybody <laughs> would like to learn more about this issue and about this vote especially if you live in the neighborhood currently named stapleton our website is renameforall.com. we have a facebook page also you can find us uh there we have all kinds of resources about uh, the history we also have a ballot FAQ to kind of clear up some misinformation that seems to be going around you can also like just email me if you have any questions as the good folks at this podcast uh, to, to reach out uh, to ask us to be on at rename at gmail.com if you are eligible to vote in this referendum Ballots must be received by July 31st. They cannot be postmarked July 31st. They have to be received in hand by July 31st. Uh, There is a self addressed stamped envelope, return envelope uh, with your ballot package. I urge you, if you, especially if you're going to vote in favor of a name change, please get that in the mail as soon as possible uh, so that your vote is counted. We're asking folks, there are actually three questions. One is, about the name change we ask you to vote yes one is about a special assessment about costs related to this we ask you to vote no on that because the uh property owners association has not done the work to get a real quote on what this would cost, and I think that they need to be held accountable to to actually a fair and transparent process for that. Uh, and the third question is amendment to the community declarations to change it so that there is not a mechanism going forward for changing the name in this way. There's a lot of legalese uh, related to that, but uh, it boils down to we're asking you to vote no on that because the process that would be in place after that would actually dilute the power of residents to actually have a say in changing the name. The, the vote of commercial owners and apartment owners would actually outweigh resident owners um, on that question. So we ask you to vote no uh, on that. And if you have any questions about that, since it's very complicated, again, please go to renameforall.com and turn in those ballots before July 31st
0: awesome thank you so much thank you all for joining us everybody say goodbye bye Bye. thank you <laughs> have a good night good night thank you <laughs>
1: We say we're not with them we solid and we don't need to kick them This is no southeast and Western Yeah, guns close, doors to the system Yeah, fuck them when we say we're not with them we solid and we don't need to kick them This is no southeast and Western